As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey there, welcome. It is the White Sox Talk podcast live from the winter meetings in Washington, D.C. I'm Chuck Arfine, and we've got a jam-packed podcast for you today. We've got White Sox chairman Jerry Reinsdorf, who talks exclusively to CSN about Chris Sale and what it will take for the White Sox to trade him. We're also joined by Dan Plezak of MLB Network, who actually breaks some CSN news that even I didn't know about. He also talks about his undying love for the White Sox and gives us some great insight about Chris Sale. And he's going to tell you a story about why Joe Carter hated Hawk Harrelson. Real good inside stuff from Dan Pleszak. That is coming up. At first, we're joined by Dan Hayes from CSNChicago.com. It's certainly the biggest baseball story in Chicago and really the biggest baseball story, period. Chris Sale, will he get traded? Will he not get traded? What did you learn here today? Uh, You know, Rick Hahn made it just as clear as he did last month, and that was at the GM meetings. I just think basically (laughs) there's no way they're not going to make a trade for one of their guys. I don't know that it's Chris Sale. It could be Jose Quintana. It could be whichever guy they get their value level met for. Rick Hahn said that. He said, our plans aren't predicated on player X being moved. It could be player Y being moved. They're not kind of, they have contingencies in place and they're a popular team. That's what I think we know. I mean, you look at who they have, the makeup of their roster. They have a lot of veteran guys. They have Todd Frazier on a one-year deal. They have Melky Cabrera on a one-year deal. Somebody who can go in and fit into a nice lineup at the top and for one year be a nice piece to a team, a final piece to an offense that's already well in place there. Rickon has been popular, and I think yeah. that's what we really learned. And, and he made some real jokes about it. He looked really comfortable for a guy who his team has been in the middle of all these rumors. He looked like a guy who knows his team is holding all the cards. Yeah, and it, it, he doesn't want to be rebuilding, but I think he's actually excited about the opportunity and what this all presents to the White Sox. He actually said, we've had some interesting debates in that room with all the White Sox people uh, about the possibilities of the players that could be coming back. And I just love that, you know, I shouldn't say I love it, but it's interesting that there's been some teams that seem to be trying to drive the price down on Chris Sale. Like the Buster only report that the White Sox are concerned about his mechanics and he might break down and even said like in further the White Sox, some corners of the White Sox system feel that. Who on the White Sox would actually say that to a reporter? I, I don't think anybody from the White Sox would say that. I think other teams would maybe suggest that. But the White Sox have had Chris Sale for five years. He's had one arm injury in that time. He came back that season and had a fantastic year, his best year of his career, even after missing five weeks on the DL. So they don't have those concerns. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's there's all kinds of disinformation that gets floated at these things to tr- potentially drive down the price. It's not going to bud- make the White Sox budge off of their price. They know what they have. They have a guy that three years, $38 million, Rich Hill, who is 
10 years down the road, nine years older than him, just signed for three years and $48 million deal. I mean, the White Sox are holding the right cards, and they know that. They're not, gonna, they're not in this position where they have to make the move. They can, they can ride this out a little longer if they have to. They don't, you know, none of their guys are, obviously, Melky Cabrera and Frazier are free agents, but everybody else is in a good contract spot for them. And so they're in a very good place right now. And, you know, I think one thing that they, what you're talking about, at least being interested in, in a potential rebuild is they don't have to go with the, the stop gaps, the, the short-term measures or half measures anymore. In the last five years, four of which they were competing, 36 guys have come through those doors oh, and bring played. Up all those guys. You did a column on this. I almost wanted to kill myself. You, you named every single player the Sox have used as stopgap since 2012, and it's you know, 36 guys. I mean, the names. Yeah, they they never goodness. played for anybody else. I know. Or, or a few played for one team, and that was it. And I mean, Give us a few. What would you have there? Casper Wells. Um, let's go with... Uh, Dakota, Black, Blake Dakota, Blake Dakota, Felipe Paulino, uh, Jimmy Rollins. Can't say definitively that his career is over, but most likely. Um, there were so many. So many. I read that at the airport on the way over here, and I texted you right away saying, you know, you just took years off my life having I read forgot that. that Jose Lopez even played Jose for the White Lopez. Sox in 2012. How dare you. Okay, so uh, let's hear from Rick Hahn. Here's what, a part of what he said uh, with the media here at the winter meetings on Monday. If you're asking if we've been busy and we've talked from some other clubs, yes, yes, we have. Uh, it's uh, It's been an interesting few weeks leading up to this. Obviously, we've had a, a number of conversations on a number of different fronts. Uh, all you have to do is uh, perhaps top, type White Sox into Twitter, White Sox rumors, and you can see all sorts of interesting ideas being floated about, some of which are more accurate than others. Uh, but we are approaching this uh, with a uh, wide open uh, frame of mind and, and having uh, a number of interesting conversations on different fronts. Would you, do, would you say or would you share no. the fact that this is, there's a chronology to this? In meaning that one thing has to happen first before something else happens? Uh, I don't view that as necessary, no. Uh, I think what we're looking to do is uh, put ourselves in a position for extending success and the means for us to do that is by acquiring uh, as much impact controllable talent as we can over an extended period and uh, continuing the the efforts to build ourselves up internationally and through the draft and adding to that potentially via trade uh, it's not something that necessarily is going to happen overnight it's not something that uh, would expect to be uh, completed while we're here in its entirety, it's going to be a process potentially that takes some time. So what we're looking to do is deals that put ourselves in the uh, strongest position possible for the long term, uh, and there's no need for player X to move before player Y if we get to the right point price point on on any given deal. Urgency? Is there any urgency? No. I know you can't said talk after the season that uh, what you did personnel-wise would dictate the course in which the franchise was going, and you said we'd know by the deals that you made. Yeah, have you so decided? far, we haven't really done any deals. No, no, no. I've kept have, that in the back pocket. Have you guys <laughs> decided on a we know what course we want to of do. action? We know, and we, we don't all along what we've wanted to accomplish. We just haven't had the, uh, we haven't been in a position just yet to execute any transactions that would then allow us to lay out more clearly perhaps how this thing's unfolding. Uh, you know, we again, we're our focus is on the long term. I think it's fairly clear how this 
process is going to take place, but until we start making actual trades, it's a little harder to explain why a certain move was made. Are you confident that that plan will go through? I mean, do you have a contingency plan at first? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we have, we have alternatives in mind and alternative routes uh, to put in the club together, but uh, we're f pretty confident about what we want to try to accomplish and how that's going to unfold. I know you can't talk about specifics, but are you encouraged, at least by these initial conversations you're having? No, we're having, you know, we're having some really interesting debates, and based upon some of the players that are potentially accessible to us in it, and it's, it's nice to be in that room and have uh, the quality of players that we're talking about be potentially accessible, and that 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 part is very encouraging. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Well, is the debate you're saying amongst yourselves or with other teams? Both, okay. both, yeah. both. I mean, they, look, there's uh, there's robust conversations going on with other clubs, and then, then once we start getting down the brass tacks in the room, there's some uh, strong opinions in all sorts of different directions about potential acquirees. Does it excite you, scare you, all of those things that? titillate you as far as the idea that um, Where's this going? I said titillate. Where's this going? Word. The, the, the idea that uh, you're going into an unknown, you're going into an unknown area uh, from what you guys have done before. It, it, it is exciting. <laughs> I don't know if it's titillating, it's exciting. We'll, no, find it, we'll find out. We'll find out how titillating it is in the coming weeks. This is day one and we're already on this. Um, no, it's exciting. Look, there, there's a lot of, uh, we know as well as our fans, anyone who's been following this club over the last few years, that the way we've been operating isn't getting it done. And the opportunity to take a different approach, to try to uh, refocus some of our energies in a different fashion than we had in recent years is exciting and does get our scouts and our player development people and our major league staff and all of us in the front office excited about the potential of where this could ultimately take us. All right, so there's Rick Hahn uh, speaking about the situation the Sox are in. We'll see what happens here tonight. Here's my question for you. Does he get traded here this week? I, one of the two, I think, does. I, 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 you one know, of the two, I mean him or Quintana? Him or Quintana. I, We're not hearing a lot of Quintana. No, and I think that's a reason why you should think that they probably are <laughs> serious about, look, they're doing their research. They are checking in on everything and and i've had a lot of people from outside the organization say this is as serious as they've heard and you know last month at the gm meetings talking to one executive and asking him about this group that they have he said it's unprecedented anything if they did a fire sale unprecedented in any recent trades the level of talent that they have to deal from and you wonder if they start digging in how deep it could get and we've talked about that before yeah. on this but i think that sale or Quintana, you know, you're going to get more for sale most likely. This is the probably the prime, the most optimal his market has been, especially when Rich Hill gets three years and $48 million. So I think he's the big flashy item that everybody looks at, but at the same time, Quintana can get you a lot of value. And if a team comes along and meets their price, I don't think they'd hesitate on, on either one to pull the trigger. It, it could be sale. But it could very well as easily be Quintana. Well, the most uncomfortable moment of the winter meetings was Bruce Levine. Where is Bruce? Bruce is down there. He doesn't hear us, but Bruce is within earshot. But I'm just going to throw him under the bus because he asked a question to Rick Hahn using the word titillate, asking if any of the offers have titillated Rick Hahn and the White Sox. And I wanted to just 
dig myself in a hole. It was so uncomfortable. <laughs> I my body temperature went up a little bit at that point. It was I was glad I was in the back. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you just think about the the possibilities. We talk about all those guys that came in and and were short term answers and. They want to solve this. They Longer-term fits are what they're looking at, and they have the type of players that can get them a number of young guys back that can keep them with young, affordable guys so that you then go and get free agents to supplement your offense. Yeah. You know, you're looking at an Edwin Encarnacion to be the final piece, but you have five or six kids in your offense that you really like already. You know, you get to draft another great class this year. They had a really good draft last year. You can add on through an international market, and, and sign players that way. And potentially, if you have a bad year this year, you're going to have another good draft position next season. Okay, well, much more from Hayes coming up on the show. But up next, we've got Jerry Reinsdorf talking about Chris Sale. Might he get traded? And what's it going to take? Uh, also, we're going to hear from Dan Plezak. We're back on the White Sox Talk podcast in a moment. Warm up for every Bears game one hour before kickoff with Bears pregame live. Lance Briggs, Alex Brown, Jim Miller, and host Chris Bowden get you ready for kickoff and have instant reaction on Bears postgame live immediately following the game. The best Bears coverage in the city is on CSN Chicago. We're back here on the White Sox Talk podcast. Rick Hahn and the White Sox are really busy here so far in the winter meetings. Uh, the big focal point, you could say. It starts with Chris Sale, but for the Sox to trade their ace, someone's going to have to meet their steep asking price, which is a topic I spoke with uh, with the chairman of the White Sox, Jerry Reinsdorf, exclusively to CSN. Let's obviously talk about the possibility of trading Chris Sale. If that was to happen, just how difficult of a decision is that for this organization to trade or not trade Chris Sale? Well, I've said many, many times, I've only had one player that couldn't be traded. And the only reason he couldn't have been traded was because I would have been shot dead the day after. Uh, you know, we, we love our players. And we, we want our players, when their careers are over, to say the best place I played was with the White Sox. But again, our obligation is to the fans to make our teams as good as we can make them. And we have to look at the players basically as, as assets. Uh, and, and, and if we can make a team better by trading somebody, no matter how much we love the guy, we have to go ahead and do it. Now, having said that, I don't know what's going to happen here. It would be a difficult decision, obviously, but it, it, it does sound like uh, there's a lot of interest in the sale. Would you agree? I don't know. I don't talk to the other teams. Uh, there should be interest. I mean, if, if, if Chris Sale is one of, the, you know, one of the best pitchers in the game today. If, you know, if not the best, but he's certainly one of the top two or three pitchers in the game. Everybody should be interested in him, and it would be very hard to trade him. Uh, we'd have to feel that we really were coming back with, you know, with, with, with uh, a lot of goods, a lot of merchandise. Do you feel like teams today protect their prospects a little too much and evaluate them maybe more than they might even be worth? Well, I don't know about that, but I do know this. You have to have four prospects who can't possibly miss to get one. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen so many players over the years that were going to be phenoms, that were going to... You know, we're going to be future Hall of Famers, and we don't even remember what their names are anymore. So uh, you, that's why when you're trading a player of, of, uh, of stature, you've got to get multiple can't-miss prospects back. And that's why it makes it tough to trade a player of great stature. So back with Dan Hayes, we heard what Reinsdorf said. 
he said the White Sox need four can't-miss players. And that's really the problem here. And, that, and that's not just can't-miss players, it's can't-miss prospects. Because you're hoping maybe two of them might end up becoming something. So then it's Chris Sale for two guys. I like a team like Boston that can solve many needs for them. You look at the Red Sox, they have two catchers that are right on the cusp of the majors or played in the majors, Christian Vasquez and Blake Swihart. They have top pitching prospects like uh, Kopech, Michael Kopech. They have uh, they have another guy, you know, they have answers everywhere where there's potentially Brad, Jackie Bradley, you know, maybe it's Ben Intendi. There's so many different places they can fan out and help the White Sox in a system that's just depleted right now. Yeah. I mean, five of their top ten picks from the June draft make up five of their top ten prospects right now. They just and jumped right through everybody, right, right past everybody. Talking to even White Sox people, they would like it if three of those guys were in their top ten, and they really like uh, Alex Collin, Jamison Fisher, who were the eighth and ninth prospects. But in an ideal system, those guys are probably your 18th and 19th best prospects. And so they'd like to get there. And I think a team like Boston helps them a lot because they've got a lot of position players that are enticing for the White Sox, and that's what they need. Coming up next here on the White Sox Talk podcast, Dan Plezak will be here. He'll talk White Sox, Sale, Hawk Harrelson, and how he started his broadcasting career at CSN. That's next. He played 182 games for your Chicago Bears, accumulating 41 and a half sacks and 22 interceptions. And this season, he's tackling Bears coverage on CSN Chicago. Don't miss the hard count featuring Brian Urlacher, presented by Restore, Thursdays at 1030. All right, we're back here on the White Sox Talk podcast, and I'm with one of the greatest people on the planet. That's I don't know about that. High praise. <laughs> Dan Plezak from MLB Network. You always say that before I come on. And then when I get off, you're like, I don't want to talk know, to that yeah. schmuck again. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm here. You are here. Yeah. Uh, you're here at the baseball winter meetings. And first off, we go back to 2005, yes, 2006? Yes, Comcast Sportsnet. Yep, Cubs pre and post game. You know the great thing is? Yeah. I was supposed to do the White Sox pre and post game. That's no what I was way. originally brought in to do, yes. But... At that point, uh, Bill Melton, they weren't sure the White Sox what they're going to do. When Joe Riley hired me to do the yeah. pre and post, I was brought in to do the White Sox pre and post. This is breaking because news. Because Brian McRae was going to do the Cubs pre and post. He backed out at the end, and then Bill Melton took the, the White Sox pre and post, so they slid me into the Cubs pre and post. If Brian, McCran- Brian McRae wouldn't have turned the job down, I don't know what I would have done. It pro- you know, it, may be, it might have been. You, me, and Bill Melton. Right. It would have been crazy, right? <laughs> been the three stooges gone wild. <laughs> so, um, first we got to talk about... Oh, actually, no. I want to go back to this with your career. Because when you started out, you are this person who, we, in, in person, you are you, who you see on TV. But in the beginning, I think, didn't you struggle a little bit I with, with of trying to... How do you do it's that fun. when the red light is yeah, on? Yeah, you know what the hardest part is? is it takes time. It takes yeah. reps to, like... If you you have to be yourself, and it's yeah. hard to be yourself. Like it's different when you're playing Chuck, and after a game, if you've done well, it's easy. You stick a microphone. I pitched two and a third, picked up a save. The world's great. And even when you pitch bad, that that's your realm. But when you're trying to describe uh, something that you saw, and, and you're not sure to be, are you supposed to be funny? Are you supposed to be, you know, somber when the team loses? And you have to figure out your niche. And then finally, it took me like two years. 
to finally like, you know what, just be myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, to where the guy at home is watching Cubs pre and post game, and he goes, man, that's a fun guy. Like, it's a weird thing, Chuck. I, I finally came to grips with, you can't meet every demographic. Mm-hmm. There, There's going to be the hardcore guy that's bitter that the players are making too much money, and that guy is never probably going to like me. But I think what I'm trying, the demographic that I want to reach is the fan that, that turns on a White Sox game, that he wants to be entertained. He wants. To, he doesn't want two and a half hours to tell you about how bad it is and how much players are making too much money and it was better game in the 50s. How about <laughs> let's make it good now? Yeah. Because it, make that experience for the fan that's watching the White Sox game fun, that they, they enjoy it. There's, there's too much doom and gloom in life to take doom and gloom and put that into sports. Now, with that said, you also have to be realistic when Todd Frazier is in an over 25 slump you have to you, you you don't have to bury him but you have to find a way to say he's not getting it done with runners in scoring position you know and 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 you have to do that you, you owe that responsibility to the fan at home to describe why he's in an over 25 so you go into a, uh, any clubhouse in major league baseball and usually MLB network is on right have you heard from any players who have said something to you like hey you know you shouldn't have said that about me no, or been you, a little sensitive about it. You know what's great is we get a pass. And I'm going to tell you why we get a pass. We get everybody's best behavior because they're afraid you're going to get buried nationally. So if I'm working locally, you have a more, it's tougher for you than it is for me because you have to walk into that White Sox clubhouse every day and they, they're familiar with you. And so you have to describe Chris Sales had two, two poor outings in a row. And then you walk in a clubhouse and you get the fish eyes from Chris Sale like, how do you know you've never done this or have you ever had two bad games in a row or I would get that locally like you forget how hard it is to do this mm-hmm. you know you retired in 2003 it's been 15 years you never had a bad game where when I show up to the White Sox spring training camp on their 30 teams in 30 days they're going to give they're on their best behavior so I get the best of everybody when Chris Sale comes to talk or Robin Ventura the former manager you, know, you get the best yeah. because they know that that's airing nationally and it, it it's a good thing and it, it can also be a bad thing uh, it can be a bad thing because you're trying to get the truth out of a player and sometimes they're going to be a little bit more apprehensive with me than they are with the local media that's interesting i i, I think it goes both ways too but also you played the game i think there's a additional amount of respect especially for pitchers i would assume mm, yes and Let's talk about the homework that you have to do. Because when you were at CSN, you just had to follow the Cubs and maybe their opponents. Now you got to cover everybody. That's the greatest thing ever, Chuck, because I remember I was kind of doing both things. I was retired. I was kind of trying a new thing as far as training racehorses. So my job really wasn't like Cubs pre and post game. I had one team to worry about, the Cubs, and maybe who they were playing with that day. And I could remember walking into the newsroom, and I would do, say, the Cubs pregame started at 1230 to 105, right? And I would be there, and you'd be at your desk, and Carrie Sayers and Gail Fisher would be at their <laughs> desk, and they're typing away, and they're just game face on. And I'd walk in and go, hey, Chuck. And, you, you know, you're like, hi, Dan. And I'd be like, man, it can't be that important. But then <laughs> you realize, like, you guys had a job. Like, what People I, think we just show up. Right. Like, And I, I kind of. I, what I, you know, as a player, you get spoiled, man. You get spoiled because everybody does everything for you, right? You have a bus that picks you up on time. You, you know what time you have to be. There's a bus after a game, before the game. You get meal money. You never touch your luggage. So your whole life, you're kind of coddled. You are. And so I would come in, and I walked in. I thought you did the same thing I did. You showed up 20 minutes before. You know, I didn't have any idea yeah. that you had to put together a show. You know, A block, C block, D block, commercial breaks. Where are we going to go? What are the highlights going to be? You guys just teed me up and wind me up, and I just took off and went. 
And then I get to MLB, and it was a it was a rude awakening. Like top thirty teams, fifteen games a night. We have a research packet that's like sixty pages deep every day, and it's amazing. And it was so overwhelming the first year because I knew the Cubs, I knew the White Sox, I knew the teams you had to know, the Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the easy teams, right? Yeah, but the when Net- the Blue Jays Absolutely. face the Rangers. Absolutely. Live looking, you know, hey, we're going to do we're going to do the Padres against the Colorado Rockies and you're going. <laughs> and you know the crazy thing is now I go to the store to buy a gallon of milk. I forget to buy the gallon of milk, but I could tell you the five starters on the Twins. <laughs> That's how my life is so messed up. Okay, so you're a huge fan of Hawk Harrelson. Yes. Huge fan. It's, yeah. Probably the three best days I had in 2016, I did the three games with Hawk in Yankee Stadium. So, yeah. for everyone listening, when you and I text with each other, usually a Dan Plezak text includes yeah. a Hawk yeah, Harrelson it does. Mercy. catchphrase stretch. I wish I could cuss right now. <laughs> Daggummit. Okay, so here's what I want to do. If it's even possible, I want to see if it's if we can come up with Dan Plezak's top three Hawk Harrelson catchphrases. To this day, they laugh at me in my office because I have speakers that hook up (laughs) to my computer. And every other day, like if I'm having a day and I need a laugh, I put on the game when Hawk Harrelson was blasting the umpire Wagner in Tampa when they threw the ball. Wagner, what in the hell are you doing? He threw him out. I blare that. Everybody's like, enough already, right? And then Dwayne Wise, when he made yes. that catch on, that might be the best Dwayne Wise. He made the yeah. catch. That Dwayne might be Wise. the greatest catch I've ever seen. <laughs> Mercy. <laughs> oh, he's th- so I just wrote, like, there's stretch. Dadgummit, grab some bench. Oh, the funny part is, when you're a player, when I played, I love it. Okay, this, the cat comes out of the bag. Yeah. I grew up a White Sox fan from the day <laughs> I was born, okay? Yeah. Everything that was Clark and Addison, the Ivy, Everything I was bred to hate it. Yeah, bred to despise everything Cubs. So, I, I'm playing with with all the teams I play in the American League with the Blue Jays, and then we're playing the we're playing the White Sox. And it would be so funny after a game because I would laugh. Say like we the team I was playing for the Blue Jays yeah. would lose, and you'd hear like Joe Carter or Jacob Brunfield in a game like, damn, you know, Hawk Harrelson, man, I'll tell you what, if I were, you know, you know, grab some bench, I'll tell him to grab some bench. <laughs> Chuck, I would be laughing, like, I'd be by my locker going, you know, I'd walk in, like, after, like, the seventh <laughs> inning, and let's just say Roberto Hernandez just punched out the side, they got the two guys in the eighth, right, and I'd come in, and, you know, let's say it was Joe Carter, he struck out with two outs, and that the game's on in the clubhouse, yeah. right, so we're getting the feed, the White Sox feed, so you can go in and grab some bench. And they'd be like throwing bats, going, man, that guy, man, I had Hawk Harrelson. He's such a homer. And I would laugh thinking, oh, he's the best, man. <laughs> so you mean, well, your team is losing, and yet you're loving, uh, loving. Yeah. that Hawk Harrelson because, is calling out yeah. the Blue Jays. You know, I, I, one of the coolest things I did, I had this wild idea. My first day playing with the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. the ground crew there, they run out onto the field. And I was sitting next to Gene Tennis, the bullpen coach, and I said, has anybody run out on the ground crew? And they go, no. So one day I decide I'm going to do it. So I go down in the fifth inning, the ground crew guys, they put they put a ground crew uniform in the bathroom out there in the third stall. So I went in in my uniform, changed out of my uniform, get in this grounds crew, and I run to third base and I sweep third base. So now I'm going to plan it so I do it when the White Sox come to town. So... <laughs> So I let Hawk know that I was going to be on the ground crew, and it was the funniest thing, Chuck. I'm out there sweeping at third base, and Hawk 
and Tom Peshorg were like, look at, look at that, look what he's doing. That's, that's left-handed pitcher Dan Plesek. Oh, man, that guy's nuts. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. And you, you did it. You timed it out so that you, you wanted Hawk Harrelson to And I wanted my family it. to see. Like, you're up in Toronto. Nobody's watching the Blue Jays games, right? You're on TSN. Nobody gets that in Chicago. So I was like, hey, told my brothers, watch the White Sox game. I'm going to be on the ground crew. I'm going to do it Saturday night. <laughs> That's awesome. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the current thing with the White Sox. As we tape this, Chris Sale is still on the White Sox. Where do you see this going? I I don't want to believe there's smoke, there's fire, but I do. I think this is the first time that I think, Chuck, I think they're seriously thinking about, like, what direction are we going in? When I did the three games with Hawk in May of last year, they came to Yankee Stadium. They were 23-10. and The bullpen was great. Matt Albers couldn't give up a run if he tried. The yeah. entire, everything was great, right? They were hitting. Todd Frazier. Abreu, the fun thing is they were playing great, and Abreu hadn't even gotten yeah, going Yeah, he wasn't yet. hitting. So it was like, man, wait till he gets going. It just And when it went bad, when it went south, Chuck, it went south right away. It went like June 25th, and it never got better. Yeah. It and just, they were just tough, tough losses. That weekend in Kansas City. Yeah. Remember that one? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you had, the, you had leads in all three games, and, and you lost. You can't them. recover for those, yeah. right? And and then, like when David Robertson would have those one or two bad outings, they came at the worst time. Like, right? Like you can get out of there and not get swept, and you have a day game on yeah. Sunday, and the roof fell in, right? Yeah. And I think it just. But I but I think this time. I think they're going to make a move. I really do. I, I think that Chris Sale could bring them back. I, you know what? We're not seeing any more in baseball these like uh, franchise changing trades anymore. But Chris Sale might be that guy that you could bring back two or three really good young players. The problem with that is if you move Chris Sale and you bring back, you know, let's say you get a package of four players, you hate to be the you know Debbie Downer, but usually when those packages come back, usually one of the four hits yes. or two of the four hits, right? And and one of them is like not an everyday player, but you know he's a role guy. He's a good outfielder. It's hard when you're dealing with prospects. That's the that, and when you have a guy that's under a contract and it's a good contract, like Chris Sale's, what you want to get, like that's what your minor league system is trying to develop, and you have them. So yeah. you're going to move that. The only saving grace is they got another guy in Quintana, who I think is is not that far away from being as good a pitcher as Chris Sale. Some people think that. Quintana would be almost a safer bet mechanics-wise than Chris Sale. That's the quagmire because you have a Sale and Quintana and you have other pieces. You should be able to build a team around those guys to win. Unfortunately, the depth in the organization hasn't been there, so you got to get those players back in return. So are you better trading Sale and getting more players, or are you better to keep Sale? And then if it's not going to be this year, maybe in 2018, 18, you can make the moves to be good again. <sighs> that's that's the million-dollar question. Th- this is the dilemma that I have with the White Sox watching last year. And, and this isn't a knock-on. It, it's a knock-on baseball in general. It's not yeah. just on the south side. It is across the board. We are in an era of baseball where teams and players look at out. Not teams, players look at an out is an out. So a strikeout's okay. And what comes with, and I'm not, this is, this is, I love the guy, Todd Frazier, mm-hmm. but for all the home runs, there's a lot of swings and misses with first and third and one out. There are a lot of easy RBIs that are left out there on third base. There are a lot of guys that are on second with less than two outs that don't get over to third. And when you have two or three of those kind of guys in a lineup, it's really hard to win unless you have really, really good pitching. Yeah. Like really, like the Cubs, the Cubs kind of pitching, right? And it's hard. And there aren't a lot of teams that do that. So I think that makes me think 
that they're going to move Chris Sale. That maybe, I don't know what the fit is. A lot of people think they're two teams. It boils down to the Nationals or the Houston Astros. They both have what the White Sox would want back in return. So it remains to be seen. But I think they're going to do something. Right, so the Nationals, I look at them as, I mean, you could put Sale and Scherzer together. And oh, Strasburg. Right. Short series, if I'm the Nationals, I'm like, you know what? I'll trade you Trey Turner and whoever you yeah. want just to have that scenario. I mean, Trey Turner could be a great, great, great player, but you already know what Sale is. No question about it. And, and I think from what I've heard, the team that is really the hottest pursuit are the Nationals. And But the White Sox are going to want Trey Turner back. Yeah. And you know, the Nationals have gone on record saying that they don't want to move Trey mm-hmm. Turner. That's their guy. Um, it's funny because two or three years ago, Trey Turner, when he was first-round draft pick out of NC State, a lot of people didn't think he would hit enough to be a big leaguer. And he was a shortstop. They moved him to the outfield, and he hit. So I don't know if it's playing poker, and that's what the Nationals There's are doing. There's a lot of right. poker going it, on. It is. That's what's going on right now. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount the Red Sox being out on the Chris Sale thing. Anytime Dave Dombrowski, there's that big guy that's out there, don't discount He's always looming. And so a guy like Ben Attendee, that outfielder, right, yeah. would be a guy that, boy. The Sox I, wanted to draft him. Right. They, he was taking the pick before, uh, who was it? I'm forgetting who it was. It might have been Rodon. Not Rodon. Um, they missed by one. I'd tell you what they Fulmer. have to do. Fulmer. Yes. What they have to do, the pitcher, right, yeah. the Vanderbilt kid. What they have to do, and I'm not telling, you know, Rick Hahn how to run his business or Kenny Williams or Jerry Reinsdorf, but they have, they, if they move Chris Sale, they have to get the guy back that they want to get back, whether that's Benintendi, whether that's Trey Turner, whether that's Trey Turner and Lucas Giolito from the Nationals. If they move sale, they have to do it for the guy that they want to get back. And if they can't, then they hang on to him and they, they hey, there's always – Chris Sale's market's going to be big in July too. If he's throwing well, there will be somebody out there in July that they can make. It doesn't have to happen right now. Okay, what about this scenario? What if no one gives them what they're wanting? You sit on him. And you and so now, when you say sit the, on them, but then you have them on your team when the season yeah, begins. Yeah, you do. And I think this is the dilemma right now. When a player has been out there like he is, now have you hurt his feelings? Now, does he really feel like the White Sox really want him? They dangled him out there. And as a player, you don't look at I, I can tell you this from experience. When you're a player, you're so selfish in your thinking. When you get out of it and you see, like, you know, the White Sox have a responsibility to the entire organization, not just to Chris Sale, to see what they could get for Chris Sale. But in a player, your world, you're seeing that as, but they don't want me here? I don't want to be here then. So that's that's the problem now when it's gone this far because the White Sox haven't say, have not said, we're not moving him. Yeah. So if you're Chris Sale and you're sitting at home right now, you know, he's watching these winter meetings and he's going, you know, I'm probably going to get traded. So he's equating that with, they don't want me. So then you're going to have to you're going to have to hopefully mend that when it gets to spring training if he's still a White Sox player. Wow. So putting it that way, I really hope they trade him. Right. I mean, I, and I hate to say that because I mean, I, he, the Sox should, in theory, be able to win with him. But if after where things are at right now, you deal with the consequences of if you don't trade him, and then he's coming back, and obviously we know he's what not going to be a happy guy. He's not going to be a happy guy. You've got a new manager coming in. That is, he really going to be able to get to Chris Sale, and you know, yeah. you know, and sit down and say, hey, we really want you here. And then in the back of his mind, he is, yeah, but listen, you had me going to five different teams at the winter meetings in D.C. You yeah. know? And so it's, it's, a, it's, a really, it's, a, it's a really fine line that you walk as a player yeah. and as an organization. Well, hey, this has been great. I, we could have done a two-hour podcast We could do you. that if you want. Really? I have a meeting at three. I don't really want to be at it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, if something happens between now and— I'm here. Okay, well, we'll have you back. Dan Plezak, who could have been 
White Sox pre and post oh, analyst man. with Bill Melton. And remember this, Bill. You can't put it on the board. Yes. <laughs> so I'll be not tonight is on. Uh, you're on. What, what's yeah, your schedule this on, week? I'll be on six to nine tonight and two to four on Wednesday and Thursday. So uh, I'll be here through Thursday. Okay, and uh, we'll be watching. And if we're not watching, we'll hear your voice traveling here through the yes, hotel. You will. you will. I'll try to keep it down though. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a wrap for. The White Sox Talk podcast, day one from the winter meetings. We'll be back tomorrow for day two. And so you don't miss a single White Sox Talk podcast. Subscribe. You'll get a notification on your phone. Makes it easy. And you can get all things White Sox whenever and wherever you want it. See you tomorrow. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.